Do, do, do. Here we go. My name's Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to yet another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. Guess what episode number this is, sweetie? Uh, let's see. Three, zero, seven? Ding, 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 ding. Well done. That's my favorite number, you know. You should go to the casino and gamble that luck. No, thank you. I don't when like When was the last gamble. time you gambled at a casino? Uh, I don't know. Seven years ago. And did you win? I don't know. I just don't gamble. If like sometimes I would go uh, some places with my parents, like where I would be able to like casinos when I was in my twenties. Yeah, those those places. <laughs> those places. <laughs> I actually I'd go with my grandma, and she would give me money like twenty dollars or forty dollars, and I'd pocket it. Nice. It's called sound financial management. Well, you know, I I just it doesn't. It, no, you know what? I went to Vegas with my girlfriends once, and we had a really good time. And I sat at a blackjack table for a long time with them. Betting minimums. Just betting minimums. We loved our dealer, and yep. I had a ball. So I don't have a problem with it. It just isn't fun to me yeah. normally. It's fun to me. Is it really? Yeah. I mean, I only go like once a year or something, but it's always fun. In Vegas or just a casino? Wherever it doesn't matter. Um, I just went with Casey to the border. And I won 300 bucks. You made a run for the border? I made a run for the border. Uh-huh. So this is Zen Parenting Radio. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. Outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? The best predictor of a child's well-being is what, sweetie? Uh, what? The best predictor of a child's child's well-being is what? A parent's self-understanding. Ding, 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 ding. It's your two for two. Thank you. Well done. I know. I'm paying attention. Um, on today's show, we are going to discuss an interview that we both listen to. Mm-hmm. There's a podcast out there called Off Camera, mm-hmm. and it's uh, hosted by a guy named Sam Jones. How did we find Off Camera? We've been listening since the very first episode. How did we find it? I think I found it as most of my ideas are great, <laughs> and this is another one of those great ideas. I love telling our listeners about other podcasts because the more podcasts they listen to, the less likely they are to listen to ours. Not true. Probably not. The true. more podcasts they listen to, the more they become connected to podcasting and they will subscribe and listen as much as they can. Yeah, it's just weird because, you know, other podcasts are, are quote unquote uh, competition, but nah. we don't care about that. No. We want to give you guys really good resources. That's you know what, Todd? What? There's enough love to go around. It's yeah. an abundant universe. Grow the pie. Grow your pie. That's right. So anyways, there is a guy named Glenn Hasnard. And for those of you who don't know who Glenn Hasnard is, he's a musician. And he was in a movie called Once that you and I watched about seven or eight years we ago. Did. And how do we find out about Once? It was. I really- remember watching like Siskel and Roper or Ebert and Roper or one of those guys. Yeah. And they're talking about like movies that nobody's ever heard of yeah. that are outstanding. Because eventually it became pretty popular because right. it got, won an Oscar. Right. It won an Oscar. It ended up being on Broadway as a musical. Yes, yes. But it's um, a wonderful movie. And I think everybody should get on Netflix and watch this awesome movie called Once. Did, did you say his last name right? Hasnard? It, it's H-A-N-S-A-R-D. Hansard. Hansard. Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah. Just so we give him his due. Because oh, yeah. You're right. Hansard. Hansard. Very good. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's an Irish fellow. Mm-hmm. And I listened to the podcast while I was cleaning out my basement. And there were some parts of it that I think are worth sharing because it has to do with uh, friendship and parenting and dealing with father issues. So I just thought it would be an interesting discussion. So we're going to play a few clips from that. But first, last Friday, we did something called Facebook Live. (laughs) 
What is Facebook Live, sweetheart? Well, it's kind of like Periscope. Uh, I don't know about whenever I uh, when did I redo my passport? January. Yeah. I went to the post office and the woman who was helping me, who was so awesome, she said she asked what I did and we started talking about Zen parenting and she said, "Do you ever do Periscope?" And I didn't know what she was talking about. And she showed it to me and it was really cool. And for those of you who don't know what it is, it's basically exactly like Facebook Live. But since then. Facebook and a lot of other stole, stole a, good idea. a good idea from Periscope. And now you can basically go live on Facebook. And not only are you live for people who are scrolling through, but it will also save it mm-hmm. so people can go back and watch whatever video you recorded. So it's a wonderful tool for what Todd and I do yeah. because it allows us to be interactive for a short period of time and then gives us the ability to post it without having to put it on a website. So last Friday we uh, did this. We answered two listeners' questions. Yeah. And one, of them was, one of them was about sleeping Yeah. and the other one was about a rambunctious six-year-old boy. Yeah. I don't know how effective our question answering was. Do you think I we answered well? I think it was amazing. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, and yeah. our listeners actually gave us some good or not yeah. our listeners, the viewers. The viewers gave some good Because tips. they can type in as we're talking and they said, um, you know, the one, uh, what was her name? I forget what her name was. I feel bad. But she said, walkie to, there was a kid who kept sneaking into mommy and daddy's bed. And she's like, what about walkie talkies? And I never thought about that. That's great. We, I do walkie talkies when the kids are sick. Yeah. So like the, if they're upstairs and sleeping and they can't get out of bed very easily and I'm downstairs, then they can walkie talkie me. So, so that's a really good tip. So today is May 10th. We're going to do another one this Friday mm-hmm. at 1230 Chicago time. Yeah, basically just... I, we can't guarantee we're going to do it every Friday, but that's going to be the time we do it. We're going to we do, it do it this Friday and see what happens. Okay. So we're not going to make it consistent. No, we're not going to. I mean, we'll see. Okay. I just don't want to overcommit. But it's, it was fun for us to do. Sure. And like you said, it's interactive. So we're going to be answering some listeners' questions on that. And maybe we'll even give an opportunity for somebody to ask a question sure. while on. Yeah. At the, I think that's the more moment. fun. Um, and then I think I'm going to catalog the old ones onto our YouTube channel. Okay. So anyways, it'll be fun. So that's my Facebook Live thing. Okay. And so let's talk about our first partner and then we'll get into Sam Jones. Okay. Um, Our first partner is Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. And you can find out more by going to chirotree.com. Remember Dr. Kelly's motto, which is healthy families by choice. Not by chance. Not by chance. Chirotree.com. Thank you, Dr. Kelly. Um, All right. So... If you never heard this song, you should because I think it won an Oscar and I'm just going to play a little clip from it. Well, you have suffered enough and warred with yourself. It's time that you I don't want to just keep letting it play. You know what this song, it, it what I experience when I hear this song? What? The top of my head tingles. Really? Yeah. It's just a really pretty song. Well, and I kind of feel like, you know, it's not like I have this song on all of my, you know, my mixes or anything, but there are some songs that are written so well and are so beautiful and that are so true for whatever that means, but true for the person who wrote it or true for the world that you can, it's like a, 
you feel it. Yeah, you know? it's a feel song. It's a feel song, and top of my head always tingles, and I always have to kind of turn it up too. So the movie is called Once. The podcast, and we'll have the link to the podcast itself because I don't even know if we're allowed to play these clips, but I'm just playing them anyways. We just got to keep them short. Don't do really long. It's a clips. Mi- they're they're each minute clips. Okay, and we're using it as a teaching tool, right? Which, as we know, is fair use. And we email Sam and tell him we use. Them. I have emailed Sam before, but he never gets back to me. Oh, he's well, busy, dude. I did it once. He's so, busy. anyways, so this first. First clip it takes about a minute, so bear with me. But um, as a boy, Glenn wanted to be a he wanted to be Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. What do you want to do with your life, son? I want to be Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. And he loved the guitar and he loved singing. And he got in trouble at school a lot, even though he wasn't looking for trouble. Trouble just kind of found him. And he tells a story about uh, his schoolmaster. Says, "Listen, I will do you a favor." Now, first of all, it's Dublin, Ireland, so it's not. It, the culture is a little different. It's not the United States. But he's not like, it's not like from 50 years ago. He's no, our age. He's our age, yeah. So as a 13-year-old boy, the headmaster said to Glenn, um, what do you want to do? He's like, I want to be Bob Dylan. He's like, well, you don't seem to be really good at the school thing. Mm-hmm. So I'll do you a favor. Go busk. I never knew this, mm-hmm. this I verb didn't know before. That word either. B-U-S-K. It mm-hmm. means go play your guitar on the streets and beg mm-hmm. for money. Mm-hmm. Not beg for money, but give play people- Play for crowds. Yeah, play mm-hmm. for crowds. And do that for six months. And if after those six months you still love it, then you know what you're supposed to do in this mm-hmm. world. And if you don't, I'll let you get back into the school. For free. For free, no problems. I'll give you an excused absence for six months. So what was fascinating was what Glenn did upon hearing that news. So this is the clip that I'm going to play. So he just finds out from his headmaster that I'll do this. giving you this opportunity to, to do it, promise me. They won't just sit around at home and because he was worried that I'd, you know. Well, yeah, that could go wrong in so many ways yeah. for a kid. I mean, did your folks, did they, did they have an opinion on that? Or? You know, it, it, it's a funny thing because I went home that day so excited. I was so excited because I knew this was it. I'd just been given my chance to start, you yeah. know. And when I went home and told my ma, she was like, well, you better talk to your dad. And that was really all she said about it, you know, and you better make some money. Now get out and get a job now. I don't want you, you know. I don't just sit around. She had the same attitude. I don't just sit around the house. Uh, and my dad came home that night, and of course, my dad was like, "Yeah, yeah, well, you know, whatever, you, you know." And I'd already been out busking all day. Right. Like, I don't, when he got <laughs> home that night, he was like, "Well, if that's what you want to follow, then you should follow it." My dad was a boxer when he was younger, you know, and he really followed his. Uh, my dad was really into boxing. He was the All Ireland champ a few times. So I thought that was fascinating because you know we are all. We strive to be self-aware parents, conscious parents, whatever word you want to use. And these this mom and this dad said, yeah, you could quit school as a 13-year-old son. Mm-hmm. And would we do that? Of course not. There are laws in the state of Illinois and in most of the states that people are listening that don't allow you to do such a thing. Mm-hmm. But I, so would I do that? If I was this kid's dad, would I do the same thing? No, but I think it's a more of a metaphor at maybe not when he's 13, but maybe when he's 17, when you decide as a parent, no, all my kids have to go to college. Well, maybe your son or daughter isn't built for college. Maybe they're built for playing the guitar and busking all over the town that you live in. So I just thought that that was a wonderful, um, scary example of parenting. Well, and I think that it applies to everything we talk about on the show, because again, it's within, we talk about things within different constructs, like it doesn't always have to be about school and going to college or not going to college or what age you are. It's about are you listening to what your children know 
inside of themselves. Like within like within the United States, as you said, this version wouldn't work yeah. because it literally would not be legal. Um, but is there a version of this story within our constructs that makes sense, which is, you know, I really want to take these kind of classes or I really want to try – this kind of experience that nobody else does, that nobody else, uh, you know, I, I want to travel to this place or I want to meet this person and allowing as parents to step back. We may not be able to give them all of these opportunities. Sure. A lot of times they cost money, but can we listen instead of say, no, this is the path. There is no one path. Our path is not our child's path. Our child's path is not the next child's path. It. it we can we stand back and allow them to speak what they know in their heart. So I think this is, as you said, it's just a, a, a story and we create our version within the United States. Well, and our version is like, you know, uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter played soccer for like four years and then she stopped because she didn't want to anymore. And while she was still busy, she never, she didn't get into, actually she did cross country, mm -hmm. but the organized you know, sport of, you know, going to watch a soccer game. Like she didn't do it. She like took a year and a half or two mm -hmm. years off. And there was a part of me, part of my construct says, no, you got to keep yourself busy. You got to be active in, all, in sports all the time just to keep your brain going and keep your body going. And, you know, thanks to you and your influence, I kind of pulled back. Otherwise I think I would have said, no, what's next? And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, she's like, I want to try lacrosse. Mm -hmm. And if I would have forced her to, no, you either have to stick with soccer or you got to switch over to basketball or you got to switch over to hockey or you got to switch over to this, then lacrosse never would have shown up. It showed up and it was kind of a mixture of things. I bet she can't even trace all the steps, but like observing it as her mom, it started because my nephew was playing and then she would kind of have, you know, play with him when he was playing. But this was years ago. Yeah. But it got into her brain as yep. a thing. Yep. And then she befriended some girls mm -hmm. who some of them did it, some of them didn't. Um, and it's not necessarily girls that she spends a ton of time with. And then she just like over time, she said, you know what? what is this and where is it available? And it was like her own path. So it made it so much easier for us because whatever was offered, because it was like crazy, you know, offerings like 8 p.m. on a Tuesday night. Yeah. She's like, okay. Yeah, let's Because do it. she wanted to do it. Not because we were like, you got to do it because it's all there. She wanted to do it. Um, there was a, there was, it was self-motivated. Yeah. Well, and we have another daughter who has no interest in any sports. Correct. Except archery. Except archery. She does archery behind our garage. Yeah. But what's interesting, because I, I try, I'm trying to give uh, a message of who I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And sports were, aside from school, sports were like a huge part of my life. So for me to just sit there and allow my daughter to not be interested in any sports was really hard for me. You may be like, well, why was that hard? I can't tell you why. It just was. And But yet the same girl sits there and reads books like she devours books. Devours them. Mm -hmm. She devours mm -hmm. a book in a freaking day. It mm -hmm. would take me a month. Mm -hmm. And if I was pushing my agenda on her- She wouldn't have time. She wouldn't be devouring these books. Mm -hmm. And they're all, it's not like they're like science books. They're like fictional books, yes, but it books. doesn't matter. Right. And it fills her soul up. Yes. And so anyways, there are so many examples. And if you're listening to this and you're a parent, you know what I mean. Well, and this weekend we had that uh, women's party for 
for for my oldest daughter, you know, her 13-year-old party, and she was surrounded by a bunch of women that I love. And a few of the women, um, and my niece, who's also a woman, she's going to be 20, the, the advice they gave her is the age you're at – it, you're like at this wonderful time to absorb information and you your brain is like operating on every cylinder and you are like a sponge you know it's why it's good to learn a language right now and why it's good to try new things and just to get out there and the advice they gave her was just try a bunch of different things i made sure that i went back and talked to her about what that can mean because for a girl to hear that Sometimes they take that in as, oh my gosh, I have to be in this event and I have to do track and I have to do – it's not about that you have to get into a bunch of organized things. Yeah. Just if you have an opportunity, jump on it. And I said to her, I said, JC, the thing that you can know in your heart is if you decide to try something and you figure out pretty quickly, ugh, this is not it, your dad and I can hear you mm. and we're not going to force you to do a bunch of things. Yeah. We just, we're not going to say, oh, well, you jumped in. We spent, you know, we did this, so you're going to have to do it for the next two years. Or if she came to us and said, I want to try this, but I'm not sure, our first instinct isn't going to be, well, this is a long-term commitment. Are yeah, you sure? Right, exactly. She's 13. Like, yeah. if she just wants to try something... Go try it because that's then you can feel it. I think a lot of times kids don't try things because then they think they're going to have to overcommit their lives. Right. And what I tried to tell her after the party was over is, first of all, great advice. Mm. Take that advice. Try, you know, try things that you never even knew existed. Yeah. You know, like where you're like, okay, astronomy. I didn't know there was an astronomy club. What yeah. the hell? I'll go to a meeting and right. see. And I said, and if you do that, your dad and I'll stay out of your business. Yeah. I mean, if you decide you go to a meeting and it's not right, okay. Yeah. But at least give it a, a shot. Yeah. And that kind of goes against once again my uh my DNA growing up is once you make a commitment, you follow through until that commitment's done and all that. And what you're saying to me and probably to a lot of other parents is basically lighten up because lighten up. because if you put so much stress on it no wonder they're scared to try anything new and no wonder they're not willing to take a leap of faith because right. they think if they take the leap of faith then they're going to be in a camp and in a in a class and yeah. in a for the rest of their lives and that their parents get in and kids are so smart because they can feel from their parents when their parents get too over invested yep. when their parents are more excited than they are yep. about them being Problem. in the thing because that's when they're like whoa I don't want to get my parents too psyched about this because I may not stay in this mm -hmm. versus I'm just going to give this a shot and my parents will support me. And again, I know a lot of you will say, well, you know, my kid wanted to do hockey. I bought all the equipment and then they just can quit the next week. Well, that's kind of a different animal. Yeah. That's kind of like yeah, where you, you commit can... to a season. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, like her right now with lacrosse, she committed to the season. Well, and there's a lot of different ways. It's not black and white. Maybe there's a floor hockey league at the YMCA. Right. It doesn't have to be. Get, you know, you know, tease them with it. Not tease like, give them a taste. Right. Like, because to your point, there's some real world, like hockey is a huge commitment. It's a huge event, right? You know, you got skates and you get pads, same as football or maybe football the schools provide, but whatever. So whatever. And there's things at the, li we've got this awesome library here in Elmhurst. Uh, people who are listening who are from Elmhurst are probably nodding because it's this amazing library. Not only is it beautiful and a great place to go, but they offer all sorts of things. And so, you know, or park districts in other, in surrounding areas, like, what is there? Or maybe it's not anything organized and it's something you do. Like this weekend, um, our friend uh, Kevin showed us this video of his sons yeah. 
had made a beautiful knife yeah. and a cutting board for his wife for Mother's Day. Yeah, and they crafted it, like built it out of steel and wood. It in, was nuts. Like in their like in their backyard. Like they made the knife by burn, you know, yeah. like burning it. Heating it up. Heating and... it up. They cut the wood and they did that in their garage. It wasn't an organized class. Yeah. It wasn't something that they got credit for. They did it out of pure joy. Well, getting back to our middle daughter who likes archery, I'm a few times said, let's go to an archery class. They happen to have one here in Elmhurst. Isn't that crazy? And she's like, no, because they're going to tell me how to do it. Correct. I'm like, I know. That's If you want to get good, you got to learn from the teachers. And But you, is that true? Most of the time. Some of the time. Think about Glenn and his musicianship. Right. We're talking about Glenn. Yeah. Did he go to a bunch of classes or did he go out there and busk right. and learn right. his own Right, he's learning through craft. experience. So she has already said to us, I care. I hold the bow a certain way. Yeah, and they're going to tell me not to. And, they're, and let me say something about her that's interesting. She has never held her pencil correctly. Mm-hmm. When she was little in kindergarten, her teacher would always say, you got to teach her how to do this. Don't let her do this. Don't let her do that. And that's just not... <laughs> it's like a metaphor for life. Like, because... You and I come from different sides of this, and you're probably right. Um, but I come from the school of philosophy that if you want to get good at something, surround yourself by somebody who's really good at it. Right. And what we're saying to our middle daughter, because it really doesn't matter. Who cares if she's good or bad at archery? archery like, the right. fact that she likes it is good enough. Right. Um, but but some there's plenty of major league baseball players who have a very unorthodox swing. Correct. And many bat, many batting coaches would say you can't do it that way. Right. And here they are at the major league level mm-hmm. doing exactly that. That's right. So so to your point is are there moment are there occasions where you know I have plenty of friends of mine who play golf who have never taken a lesson in their life and all they do is you know, beat the crap out of me on the golf course. Right. And I've taken lessons. And this is the thing. Does it have to be either or, or can it be but and? Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that learning from a teacher isn't good. And I'm not saying that being in a class is bad. What I'm saying is, can it be both? Yeah. And can the decision be made based on where they are? Yeah. She, any of our girls or anybody's kids may be at a certain place where they need a teacher to progress to the next level if that's what they want. But when our kids shows a joy of something. Yeah. Um, you know, they start dancing around the house and we are like, we got to get you in an, an organized sport so you can win a medal and you yeah. can be, that's when it's about us and we're not allowing something to come through. And maybe that dance was just for four and five years old. Yeah. Maybe that was their expression that then turned into something else. And I think the message is, it's not about don't put them in a class. That's not what I'm saying. Nor am I saying you know, the only way is one way. What I'm saying is, can we back up and allow it to unfold rather than decide how it's going to look later? Well, another part of this, and then we'll move on to the second question is, uh, hopefully you surround them with good teachers. And if you really do have a good teacher, it is not usually not to turn you upside down and have you start over. They look at the strengths of their students and then work with those strengths as opposed to, you know, hey, oh, you're holding the bow wrong. Well, maybe she holds the bow differently, but you can work with the way she holds the bow and improve her within the context of the way she does it. Exactly, because it might have to do with the way she sees. Mm -hmm. It might have to do with the way that her arms work. Like I went, and this is kind of funny, but the other night the girls and I were kind of playing with how we sit and the way our arms move because at least my two oldest daughters and I have like kind of weird hips and arms. Like we're kind of double jointed. And that's just how I was born and that's what they have too. So maybe for her body... Her arm this way works better than that way. Yeah. And these are things I trust because of yoga background and everything. But I guess the the bottom line is with your kids, with our kids, is can we just 
allow them because eventually if they love something they ask for the support yep they're ready yep that's true all right number two um this one i title honest feedback from mm. fr- from friends and this is glenn again so glenn spent a week in a recording studio in new york city and he invested a lot of his money and a lot of time for a whole week getting really good musicians and putting all of these parts together to come up with something really dandy right like the like my use of the word dandy <laughs> sure it's good uh and he poured his heart out for a week and then this was the reaction that he got from a really dear friend of his okay. whole album worth of ideas and thomas came to me and it was an expensive week i know. bet it, you know it was, a, it was a lot of great musicians you know and 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 thomas came to me afterwards and said glenn it's just not good enough you know it's just you're it's this is they're no good the songs are no they're essentially they're just no good how does that feel really really difficult <laughs> and i kind of hated him you fire him I didn't fire him, no. <laughs> I didn't fire him, but my, my friendship with him, and I said to him, my friendship with you is really on the line. You need to think about, you know. And, it, and I spent, of course, I spent a few days thinking about it, and I thought, you know, he's absolutely, completely spot on. And he loves me, and that's why he said it. You know, this is no good. And I thought, that is friendship. That's friendship, because when you're, you know, when you've gone through some successes in your life and people are kind of applauding you and you walk, you know, on a stage and all of that stuff, you get less and less honesty. You get less and less of that pure good. I'm your friend. I'm going to tell you something that's important for you. And Thomas told me my record was no good. And he was right. And he was right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got nothing to do with parenting. But this is a tricky one for me because I am a very positive person. And I'm married to a very positive person. And there's, of course, there's moments where you are viewing something that a loved one or a friend does that just simply isn't that good. And I almost, I usually um, err on the side of being kind mm-hmm. and telling them, oh yeah, it was good. You gave your best effort. But there is some space in our worlds for honest, direct feedback. And I'll give you one example. In my men's group and in Mankind Project, which is a men's group that I belong to, we do something called cuts and blessings. And there's a lot of different metaphors, like some people do roses and thorns or whatever. But basically, you cut a man and you tell them, you know, whether you spend a weekend with him or a day with him in a men's group setting, and you tell them, you give them very raw, honest feedback about something that is not so great about whatever it is they did. And then you bless them after that. So you always start with the cut and you end with the blessing. So, but that opportunity in real life rarely shows up. Mm -hmm. So my question to you, my sweetie, Mm -hmm. is what is your response? I think it all has to depend on whether or not the door has been opened and the question has been asked of us. Because I, like his friend that he's talking about who said this just really isn't that good, he was in the studio with him. And he was also a musician and he was his friend. So he was helping him cut this record and he then could back up from it and say, this isn't good enough. Yeah. He was intricately involved. Yeah. So he wasn't somebody who like was sitting by smoking a cigarette, listening to the album going, this blows. He was someone who really understood. In that situation, I feel like I could – it's got nothing to do with positivity. It's got to do with honesty. Mm. And if say I was – you and I, okay? You and I work together. If we were coming up with something and you were really excited about – and this happens all the time, actually. You're really excited to talk about something in front of a group and we're going to be talking together. I will sometimes say, Todd, it's not that interesting. Mm -hmm. Or – 
it's interesting to you, but we're going to have to change the way we talk about it so it's interesting to others. So it's not, maybe we're not as blunt as the album isn't good because we're not musicians, but we have to be able to be honest with each other. And as far as with friends and family, I feel like kindness and support is always the best choice to maintain relationship. But if a person in our family or friend comes to me and says, what do you think? They have vulnerably opened the door to me to offer some kind of feedback. All right. Okay. Hypothetical. Yeah. One of your friends is making a really bad decision. Uh Uh-huh. They don't ask you for feedback. Right. What do you do? Well, and I know it depends on the it situation. Depends. It does and all that. because there, this has this has happened in yeah. the last couple of years where I have had to um, do what I would probably call overstepping my bounds, where I've been uncomfortable, and I have had to say I need to say this not just because I think I'm healing your life, mm-hmm. but because I am struggling personally because I'm I'm intricately involved in this because I love you, mm-hmm. but it's always offered with a sense of compassion. With not the desire to win, but the desire to offer something from my heart. And if it is not taken, we can still remain friends and I will still support you. So do you see all those things that are in place? Is I don't go to you and say, you need to hear this. Oh, you're not going to listen to me? Well, then forget you. I come and say, I'm really hurting because of this. And here's what I have to say. And they may say, I hear you, but I'm going to maintain this. And I'll say, okay, I love you. Mm -hmm. But at least I shared honestly because I was feeling harmed. I was feeling like I was getting drowned. I was drowning with their decision. Right. But then it's not, it's theirs. Right. And you see, here's the thing about this thing with Glenn. His friend could have said it's not good enough. And Glenn could have said it is to me and I'm going to put it out. And instead he was self-aware enough and, and reflective enough and took enough time where he was able to see the truth yeah. that his friend was offering him. Yeah, this is such a layered it is. topic. It's huge And on not you. easy to, you know, because every single situation has multiple layers That's and right. differences and relationships history. and history. Yeah. It's just tough. But anyways, um, should we go to the third one? Sure. All right. So before I do that, my second partner, our second partner is John J. Kelly Dentistry. He does comprehensive dentistry on the northwest side of Chicago. His website chicagodentistonline.com and uh, Dr. Kelly treats you the way he would treat his own family and we are living proof of that. That is truth. All right, so the last one I want to play is Glenn talking about uh, his father and how he relates to his father and I don't remember the setup of this but it's uh, about a minute so we'll just talk about it on the other side. Okay. A very complicated relationship with my family with my dad. My dad was a, you know, my dad was a drinker. He was a, he was kind of emotionally not so present, you know, the classic Irish dad, you know, just, just bless him. He just, he was shut down. Well, you said in the Swell Season documentary, you said your mother used to point to his inert, yeah. unconscious form on the couch and say, don't you ever turn into yeah, that. Yeah, it was a, it was a complicated childhood. I, I absolutely, I, I, uh, but I, but I, but I am conscious of doing my father justice because it's very easy in our lives to, to look at our lives and go, I am the result of you know, you know, this kind of growing up or this, you know, um, the truth is what makes you who you are is how you deal with what you, the cards you were dealt, if you like. And so my growing up 
was as much romantic and wonderful as it was complicated and violent and odd and, you know, stormy. You know, it was all those things. And, and my dad was, was not a bad man. He was a confused, you know, man. He was, a, he, was a, he was someone who was trying but couldn't figure it out. And so in a way, you know, they say you choose your parents and all this. But and All right, I'm going to cut it off there. I think there's so much in that one yeah. minute. Um, first of all, I think he's being overly kind with his words. He uses the word stormy and he used the word violent. I don't know what that means, mm-hmm. but it sounds to me like his upbringing had a lot of challenges it to traumatic. it. traumatic. I don't mm-hmm. know if that, if the storminess was his dad towards his mom or his dad towards himself. Maybe he got verbally, emotionally abused. I don't know. But he actually says later that his parents really loved each yes, other. Yes, they did. Yeah. Yes, so... they did. So um, he said that um, doing my father justice, just that idea. I think that, there, and obviously this goes to females and moms and all that, but I don't know, as a man, you always want to please your dad. Do I, did I want to make my mom proud? Of course I did. But there's like something weird about the same sex. And I don't know if you guys feel the same way about sure. your mom. Oh my gosh. It's where a lot of our guilt comes from because we're like, are, we're not doing it as well or we're not doing it the way they did it. Um, right. And, and I, I think that they're like, there's uh, an, something special about the relationship between father, uh, son and father and mother and daughter. Is there something relationship about son and mother? Of course there is, but there's just a different, it's different, I guess, not better or worse. And how this, how Glenn just wanted to please his dad. And I think there's so many of us that want to do that. It's universal. Even if the father is is some way abusive or traumatizing or is not maybe the most loving and compassionate person, there's this thing from, you know, growing up in that family or being, you know, a biological, you know, somebody who is related to, Mm -hmm. you want to get feedback. You want to please the person that you looked up to when you were a child, the person you came from, the person who, that's, that's who, you know, the whole idea of therapy um, and a lot of it's based in, or all of it is based in Freud. You know, that's where it all that's where it all deviates. From what do there. people say before Freud was around? <laughs> I don't know because that's just, all anybody ever says. It's all based on Freud. Well, it's kind of like you have a ground. You have a ground zero yeah. with you know. There's a baseline of where therapy you know comes from, and most of the theories are Freud. Yeah. You know, and then everything kind of offshoots from there, and it goes in a lot of different directions, and then it 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 grows up, right. meaning that it it then starts to yeah. affect our time. You know, it becomes um, significant for this time and place. But for the most part, everything is based on our relationship with our parents and how we want to please them. And it's a real universal issue. Um, And it causes us the most distress and Mm -hmm. it can cause us the most happiness. So am I saying that there's no way around that? Mm -hmm. No. But I think that all of us carry a piece of that. Well, and I think the most important part of what he just said, and I, I don't remember what the words were verbatim, but he talked about, um, you know, some people are who they were, you know, for lack of a better term, let's say they were victim victimized right. as a child. Then they grow up victimizing other people and all that. And he said, really what it's about is, you know, you're dealt a, ha- a hand of cards and how you deal with it is either look at it as a positive, a teaching, teachable experience or something that drags you down and pulls you down and all of a sudden you spew out that same negativity that was enacted upon you as a child. So I, I, I'm just, so 
One of my triggers is when people are victims of something that happened 30 years ago. That doesn't mean it didn't happen, but I do think that there is a time in an adult person's life where they have to stop blaming. And I think there's a lot of grownups out there right now that are blaming their parents. And I just think it's unhealthy. It's just not good for anybody. Well, one of the things we need to understand is how free we are and that we are free to choose our story that we sometimes have invested all of our time and energy and belief systems into other people's stories and into universal stories that we then, we hitch a ride on and we say, that's my story too. This happened to me too. So this is what my outcome is going to be. We are so free to choose whatever story we want for our lives. We are free in any moment of time to view an experience as either being teachable and helpful or traumatizing and offensive. We can always choose the story in every moment and the bigger picture story. So with that said, why not, why not choose a story that helps you? Why not choose the story that is helpful to, you know, let's take it into evolution. Your body functions better. Your body is more healthy when there is less mental stress and when there is less negative beliefs that's causing your body to constantly build up its immune system to stay healthy. Why not choose thoughts that better your body, mind, and outlook? Mm -hmm. And people will say, because it's not reality. Reality is your choice. Reality is a dream. Reality is how you perceive things. Why do some people survive something like the Rwanda genocide? Right. Because they decided, I am going to view this a certain way, take that information, share it with the world, make the world a better better place and feel love. Well, you can go to Viktor Frankl and, you know, there's exactly. a million historical. So why, why does why? that happen? And then at the same time, why does somebody who appears to have everything right. shoot themselves in the head? Right. You know, what are you going to do? What story? And again, let's, because we always have to be careful, there are components of things like mental illness and things like experiences that someone doesn't get help where I'm not saying people who do get to that last straw are like weak, bad people. What I'm saying is let's learn from people's experiences and take traumatic and scary things and make decisions in this place and time for ourselves. No, and I think that's a a good qualifier because obviously there's plenty of people out there with mental illness and it's not the same, but for- They need support to be able to function and create their own story. For those of us who are lucky enough to not be stricken with any type of mental illness, Mm -hmm. I feel like there should be a statute of limitations upon a negative experience. And I don't Mm -hmm. know if it's seven years, I don't know if it's 17 years, I don't Mm -hmm. know if it's 27 years. Um. You know, as a grown-up, anybody who's over, I don't know, 22 years old, I think it's time to start the process of stop blaming your parents for things that are going wrong in your life because Mm -hmm. you're an adult. It's Mm -hmm. time to, and I know this is like very firm advice and all that, but I think that it's an opportunity to look inward and and use this information for the positive. Um, I was talking to a coworker of mine and we were talking about relationships and he was um, having some uh, issues with uh, somebody he was involved with, okay. a girlfriend. And she would bring up these things that happened a long time ago when he was fighting with her. So she would bring up an old fight yeah. into a new fight. And I feel like statute of limitations on that, like y- you need to figure out there's a time in somebody's life when you like 
not that you can't bring it up anymore, but you can't use the past because we're not living in the past. We're and living, I, I know exactly what you're saying, Todd, and I agree with you on many levels. And I think the thing you and I have talked about when it comes to these kind of conversations is that the past is a helpful tool in understanding where you are in the present, meaning your friend whose girlfriend is bringing up the past. Mm. The reason she's bringing it up is she hasn't healed what happened. Right. Whatever argument they had was never resolved. Right. So she keeps throwing it back. So if we if we said to him, yeah, there should be a statute of limitations, shut that down, she shouldn't say that, then he's missing the opportunity to heal something that is then breeding everything else that's occurring. But there are two sides, and let's take it off this okay. example okay. and just use generally speaking. But if, that per- if a person did everything they could to heal that correct, wound, correct. and yet it still gets thrown right. on you, you know. Both exist. Again, it's not either or, it's and, but. It's a, you can, our whole life is about recognizing and acknowledging our past and choosing our present so we create a future. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Um, so we have to acknowledge what happened to us, but we don't then carry it with us, as we always say, like these heavy bags yeah. into the present. You can set them down. Set them down. It doesn't mean that we can never bring up something from the past, but if we're bringing up something from the past to hurt other people, we are doing that because we are we are carrying our bags. It's a visual. Yeah, we have not resolved something ourselves. And that's our work. That's our responsibility. Yeah. And I think the reason that what Glenn said in this interview was so inspiring to you is he really has made the choice to create his own story. Yep. And that has freed him up to then be himself rather than live in the shadow of whatever he's experienced with his dad. Yep. Not only that, he has his dad has since died. He has a lot of love and compassion for who his dad was. He sees him as a human being rather than the person who put him down. Yeah. And one thing he said in the interview that we're not going to play that I thought was very beautiful is the thing that killed his dad was his heart. Mm -hmm. And he said, the thing that killed my dad was the organ that he was unwilling to use. That's all men's work, shadow stuff. Yes. He suppressed he suppressed all emotions except for maybe anger. Exactly. And his heart was so closed that it killed him. Mm-hmm. And again, this is, I believe this is a real thing. Uh, I, well, we, I don't just believe, we know. You know, when we are not using a part of ourselves, when we, it atrophies. Yep. And so you can take that physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, if the heart is constantly being closed closed off to people, closed off to experiences, closed off to the world, then there's a physical ramification for that. And that people who now we know, like, you know, people who are having heart issues or who have heart attacks, it's super important for them to, of course, have meds and, you know, do physical activity. But it's just as important for them to meditate and to have loving experiences and to take care of a pet or Mm -hmm. to take care of a loved one. That opens their heart just as much as physical therapy. We have to remember that we are not just this body yeah. we are the emotional spiritual you know capacities that we have as well so i thought that was really beautiful you ready for a quick question oh yeah i didn't know we were doing questions because i told this lady that we would get to it i think last week okay. but it was, i don't know if i'm allowed to say her name so no, i don't i'm gonna call her mary okay uh she's recently divorced it's been a long powerful journey of self-awareness she has two boys nine and six okay uh, i won't say their names uh, she, uh, her former husband share custody 50, 50. She has a boyfriend who helps with the boys. It's been great. 
uh, ex and current boyfriend get along real well. That's great. And I feel like I consciously uncoupled. So far, so good, right? Yes. Where I feel stuck, I am almost 42. I work full time and feel like my identity as a mom has been stripped. I I rely so much on others for work-life balance, and I'm heartbroken at times, especially when it's five at work and I still have charts and patients to see. So in short, I have... Boy, I have my son's 50% of the time. And of that 50%, I feel like I miss out because of work. He drives them to practices and takes them to orthodontist and piano. Ugh. And the clincher is she wants a third baby. Hmm. Why, why, why? He has no children. He's 45 years old. Is it because I feel like I partly lost my two lost mine part of the time? I don't understand. What she's trying to say is it is it because I feel separated oh, from my own kids right, right. and so I want to bring in another child to kind of fill that? You said in one of your podcasts, oh, you said in one of your podcasts, all my logic says no, but my body cries for it. I okay. need clarity. Is this a phase? Holy smokes. I've completed two Ironman triathlons, marathon, marathons and numerous other crazy endurance events. Am I for real? Am I too old? Feel like I don't have much biological time to sit in the decision. Thoughts. Okay. Well, there's a lot of different questions in there, but the first one that I will mention or talk about is the motherhood thing about how she has this lovely family where she's consciously uncoupled. So dad is really involved. She gets along with him. She has a wonderful new partner who is very involved and everybody is willing to help. And that's called a village. Mm -hmm. So if you are working because A, you love your work and B, because you need that money to maintain the family, then that is just the way it is. And I don't mean that like you can't do anything about it. Of course, if you can, you know, have less hours or whatever, do what's right for you. But I think most likely you're carrying the guilt that society puts on moms, which is you should be doing it all. And that if other people are helping you, you are not doing it well. And that's just not true. There is if if where. If what's going on with your work is essential and necessary for your family to survive and thrive, then you've got to allow – you've got to depend on other people and you have to allow them to show up for the kids. And the kids get the blessing of many wonderful relationships. And then what you need to do for yourself so you don't feel so separated from them – and you never use the word separated. uh, That's too strong. So you feel connected to them is create times with them – that you know can be consistent. For example, if you do get home and they've already done their homework and dinner's already been served, that nighttime is yours, that you're either going to, you're going to read together, you're going to go on a walk together, you're going to lay in bed with them before they go to bed and talk about their hopes and dreams, that you do that on an everyday basis consistently so you know you're going to have that as like a a time. Well, and I'll add to that. We had uh, Amy Rogers on, who's a friend of yours, who talked all about work-life balance. yes. And one thing she said, which I was interesting to me, is because she's like a big boss and she's... She's a human resources Yeah, director. she has a lot of people working underneath mm-hmm. her. And she said, you'd be surprised how many employers will work with you if you ask. And right. what I mean by that is if her boys are only available to her Monday, Wednesday, Friday, whatever it is, see if you can, you know, this is my problem solving hat sure. on. Maybe you can go to your boss and switch one day for another or something sure. like that. Maybe she's already thought about that. And then the other thing is if you're really, if your heart is just aching and there's nothing you can do, and I don't know the rem, you know, the, the context of your job, but you know, maybe you make a little less money and spend a little more time with your boys. Um, you know, I don't know if that's even a possibility, but you know, take a, take a few steps back and look at the situation. I, I fully agree with that, Todd. Like 
again, it's not – this has been the theme of the the you know podcast. It's not either or. Yeah. It's not that you need to do this or that. It's you need to do your own internal vest- investigation of what you really want. Like if I was coaching you and you were sitting in front of me, I'd say, what's your dream situation? Yeah. And it doesn't mean that every single aspect of the dream situation will come to fruition, but it'll give you an outline of where you want to go. Mm-hmm. And then you'll start making choices toward that outline. Yeah. One thing that was really helpful to me or still helpful to me when I get really stuck is doing morning pages. Um, If you've read uh, Julia Cameron's uh, book called The Artist's Way, um, you don't have to read the whole book to do this, but her biggest suggestion whenever we're like, I'm confused, I'm stuck, is to wake up every morning and before you do anything, you write three pages with with your hand. Don't type, don't get in front of a computer, don't go get coffee. Wake up and write because what it does is it's a download, it's a dumping of all the thoughts in your head. And after you do that for about a week or two, you start to recognize patterns and you start to realize what your uncluttered mind really wants and needs or what it needs to let go of. I find that that is very helpful. I would also say about having the baby, I would wait until this part is uncluttered before you make that decision because I think a lot of the – not because having a third baby is good, bad, or other. It's because a lot of things, they're so not clear. You want to make the decision from a place of peace and calm and not rushing into it. The other thing I was going to mention is – you know, God bless this lady, and I'm sure she's being the best mom she can. But I would in- invite her to think about instead of oh, I'm I'm only present half the time with my kids because they're with their dad the other half, and then within that half, I don't spend that much as much time with them as I want. I would invite her to have gratitude for the moments that she does have with these right. kids because it's what happens is when you're with them, you'd be like, oh, but I missed this yesterday or I'm going to miss this tomorrow instead of being grateful for the moments that you have with them. Are you going to look at, is the glass half full or a glass, is it half empty? And just, you said this earlier, but be grateful that you have an awesome boyfriend that is so great with your sons and be grateful for the moments that you have with them and, and be as present as you possibly can in those moments. And that your sons have this dad yeah. that's totally invested. They have two men in their life yeah. who are invested and this is beautiful. And so what Todd is saying is it's quality and not quantity. Yeah. And all of us, I know your feelings because I'm that way with my girls too, where I want to be the one, I want to be there. The reason I can say this to you is I can relate to the way you feel. I even sometimes will just go away for like a night and be like, well, you know, I need to write him a note and I need to, you know, and. And and that's just my own, a lot of that is societally based. And another uh, resource I want to give you is I just so happened to listen to the Dear Sugar podcast from Mother's Day, which was yesterday. And their whole thing was about the guilt of motherhood and about working moms and about how much we should be working or not working. And even though this is a very common theme and you can find it in a lot of places, I liked the discussion that they had. So again, that's the Dear Sugar podcast, the guilt of motherhood. Um, And to really, it's not about what anyone else is going to tell you. Mm-hmm. Todd and I really, even though we're going to give you a structure here, we have zero advice for you. Yeah. You've got to go inside of you and figure out where the guilt is coming from or where the pain is coming from. Is it because you can't stand your job or is it because you love your job? Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? Because yeah. it can come from either or, and we don't know that answer. 
So we would just recommend that I would start with the morning pages. Yeah. I really or meditation every day or quiet time or give yourself a walk every day where you really start to. And you know what? When you really start to look at everything, sometimes it cannot feel good. Yeah. It can be painful and hard. And know that that's normal. Yeah, you don't have to be comfortable to be okay or whatever it is. Yeah, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. That get comfortable with being uncertain and allow some of that. You know, one thing that I gave Todd uh, just recently, we may have said this on the show, and I have it in my meditation area, and my daughter happened to just give me one, is a turtle um, for patience. Because uh, Todd and I talk a lot at, about we just we're often in such a rush, and turtles are really a good visual and a good energy for slowing down and being patient with yourself. Yeah. Even when you're making a decision, you know, like the decision doesn't have to be made now. That's kind of like a that's what we learn at work. Like, yeah. especially if we work in crisis situations, we need to make the decision now. You don't need to make these huge life decisions in a day. Process it. Work through it. But again, you can talk to other people, but please seek your own advice instead of saying, I'm going to do what my mom said to do mm-hmm. or I'm going to do what my ex-husband said to do. Do do you. Yeah. Um, all right. We're 52 minutes all in. All right. All right. So thank you for listening. Um, we are going to do that thing this Friday at 1230, the Correct. Facebook Live thing. So hopefully you guys dig that. What's the date on that? Do we? Have, you already have a question we're going to do? Yeah. We got, like, we've, we're getting a lot of awesome questions. So thank you for that. That's yeah. Friday the 13th. But I will also say that a lot of times people email me personally and say, Kathy, what do I do? And um, and there's been times that I've emailed back, but I it's we're, we have a lot now. So it's really hard for me to do. We can't manage it. I can't manage it. That's the, the way, way we could we, before. Yes. And so I want you to know that I still read them and I appreciate the emails. And it's not about lack of caring. It's about lack of of time and, you know, trying to, as Todd said, manage. Um, So, but keep sending the questions and we'll do our best to talk about them on the show or in these Facebook live things. Um, And then the last partner we have is Jeremy Kraft from Avid Company. He's a bald headed beauty. He's coming here on Wednesday. He's coming here on Wednesday. He's going to do the demolition of a certain section of our basement so we can put in an office so we can have you work and keep writing. Yes, I'm so excited. So uh, Jeremy Kraft, that's avidco.net, painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. So we're going to close today's show with uh, the rest of that Glenn Hasmer song. Oh, I'm song. so glad. Thank you. See you guys next week. Have a great week. Thanks for listening, folks. Hope you felt outstanding. So there's some different ways you can support us. Um, One of them is by asking either Kathy or myself or maybe both of us to speak at your next event. Or you can also tell a friend about our podcast. 
If you ship Amazon, go through the link on zenparentingradio.com first. It doesn't cost you anything, but Zen Parenting will get a small commission. You can also buy any of Kathy's three amazing books through Amazon or our homepage. And if you're like me and you want to teach your children personal financial management, then use FAMZU. It's an amazing resource. It's a virtual family bank that will set your children on a path towards financial freedom. Click on the link on the lower right-hand side of our homepage to learn more. And if you're a Chicago guy and want to learn more about The Tribe, the men's group that I lead, go to thetribemensgroup.com. Do you want to grow your business by partnering with us? Shoot me an email. And you can also give us an iTunes review. Lastly, you can subscribe to our podcast through our homepage or iTunes directly. This will guarantee you're up to speed on the latest and greatest of Zen Parenting Radio. You can always send me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com and I'll be happy to get back to you as soon as I can. Finally, we're thankful for all your support and encouragement and always remember that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Keep trucking. Thank you.